You know, when you prepare a preach, you really sort of hope that you are hearing God and uh, really God's heart for, for us as a church and a people. And it's just been amazing to see how, how this whole thing of um, wedding and bride and uh, just focusing on, on Jesus being the main thing. And uh, yeah, even just yesterday, as we were at uh, Mornay and Rebecca's wedding, and just the theme that has come through of, of you can imagine that over the last couple of weeks, all the planning, I mean, ladies, you know, though, for those of you who are married, there's nothing else you think about. <laughs> the dress, the bridesmaids, everything revolves. You don't care about anything else. You just think about looking good for your husband to be. Isn't that right? And everything is focused on, on that day when you walk down the aisle and you want to be that dream come true. And um, it's just been amazing to see how that theme has been coming through. And so let me pray for us, and then I'm going to get straight, straight into the Word, and I, I try not to speak too long this time. <laughs> Yo, Lord, we just thank you for this opportunity to be together in your presence as your church. Father, we love to be in your presence. We love, we love to be together. We love to worship you, Father. And Lord, I pray that as I bring this Word, that your Holy Spirit would anoint the words that I speak, because if you don't anoint them and you don't use them, they're just words and they fall to the ground. But Lord, if you take them and you pierce our hearts with them, Lord, we will be forever changed. And so that is our heart's desire tonight, Lord, that we would not hear Carl, but Lord, that we would hear you, that you would speak to us, that you would challenge us, that you would, you would um, minister to us where we are. And most of all, Lord, that you would that you encourage us, Lord, because you, the bridegroom that is, is calling your bride to be all that she needs to be. And Lord, you want us to be beautiful and you want us to be perfect. And so, Lord, as we look at your word tonight, may your spirit take this and, and work it and massage it into our lives. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Okay, so what I want to speak tonight, uh, what I feel the Lord is, is saying is, if you were to, to give it a title, it's, it's get your head and heart back in the game. And the amazing thing to see is just the thread of the Holy Spirit over the last couple of weeks and what God has been saying to us as a church, it seems that there's a real sense, and I, I don't know if you remember when the last time I preached, I really felt that God was calling us as a church to refocus and realign. So refocus on God, and then God is slowly but surely saying, I want you to get behind me. I want you to align your lives in, t in terms of what I'm doing in this local congregation in the heart of Josh Jen, and I want you to begin to see, is my life in line with the things of God? And Brett, last week, for those of you, was a fantastic message, how the Israelites were led out of Egypt and they spent 40 years in the promised land. I think, what, what was it, three days journey or three weeks journey? What was it? Three days. Three days. And they spent 40 years in the desert, wandering around, trying to get into the promised land. And it was tremendously challenging when, when, when Brett started to speak about what were the things that kept them out of the promised land. And he started to speak about Moses and the cracks that he had. And we all realized, and as we listened to that preach, it was like, oh, maybe... Maybe this or maybe that or maybe that thing in my life that I perhaps have tried to hide. You know, the cracks, we were discussing community on Wednesday. You know, cracks in our lives is not something we like to display on the wall. You know, we spend our lives hiding the failures. We, we hide the things that are broken us. We don't want anybody to see them. And through that message, God was saying, you cannot enter into the promises of God, that promised land for your life, if we don't start to begin to deal with the cracks in our lives. And it's like that little crack in the windscreen. What happens? Nowadays, they, they can come with a little drill, and they drill in, and then they put that, that magic, I don't know, what is it, resin or something, and then it makes that crack disappear. 
But if we leave it, what happens to that crack? Every speed bump that we go over in life, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger, and then you can't hide it anymore. And as I was preparing this, this message, I kind of felt that the Lord's not done with us yet in terms of the cracks in our lives and, and how it affects us. And last week, Brett spoke about the pressures that come in life. And who's not under pressure in life right now? Raise your hand. <laughs> Just what I thought. Nobody. We're all under pressure. There's, there's constant pressure on our lives that are pushing against those things that are broken. There's, we feel it every single day. And so... What I wanted to share tonight was, what are the cracks, specifically two cracks, but what are they that keep us from receiving the blessings of God and more importantly, His presence with us on a daily basis? Now, we know that God, you know, the Word of God says that God is he's all, he's everywhere. He's, he's, he's always around us. But there's something about knowing that you know that you know that you know that the presence of God is with you. I know there's been times in my life where I thought, God, where's you? Have you asked that, God, where's your presence? Like you pray and you think you're hitting the ceiling, like nothing's happening. God, where's your presence? I want to be filled with your presence. And when we have the presence of God, there's, there's something about knowing that he's with us. There's a greater sense of peace and comfort in the midst of great trial and tribulation and often difficult circumstances and situations. You see, the devil wants nothing more to, than to rob us of this confidence. And I, I believe that he knows two specific things, specific cracks in us, and works them to leverage this negative outcome in our lives, that we lose our confidence. So what are those things, you may ask? Maybe you can turn, if you've got your Bibles with you, turn to the book of Haggai. Haggai? Does that even exist in the Bible? It's not a town up the West Coast, I can promise you. <laughs> Haggai. Okay. And I want to I have a look at Haggai. It's, it's an absolutely amazing chapter. And if you're struggling to find it, you just go to Matthew and you go three, backs book, three books back and you will find it. Okay? Who of you have ever read Haggai? Put up your hand. Ah, some of you have got into the Old Testament at least. That's good. So this won't all be new to you. So just to give a little bit of background to the book of Haggai, you, you have the Israelites or the Jews um, in Babylon and they've been sort of in captivity since probably around, I think it was, if I remember correctly, about um, 586 B.C. And so because if you read the Old Testament, you look a lot in the book of Ezra, you find that through the rebellion and through the disobedience of the Israelites, God said to them that I'm going to put you in captivity for 70 years. Imagine we got a word like that in this congregation. How many people think it would rock up next week? <laughs> You're going to be in captivity for 70 years. Okay, because of your rebellion. And in the time of the book of Haggai, you've, you find that um, it's, it's, it's 50 years in. Oh, actually, no, it's 68 years in. And they've been under captivity from the Babylonians. And what happens is the Persians came along and they conquered Babylon. And they find themselves, it's like, you know, in the last two years, we've been under lockdown. And suddenly the restrictions are lifted a little bit. It's like Cyrus has come in. So the Persian king Cyrus comes along and he, he, he says, okay, you guys can, can go back to Jerusalem. Now, if you know your Bible well, who remembers and have ever read about the beautiful uh, temple of Solomon? 
I mean, that was, it was absolutely amazing. I don't think there was ever anything that ever looked like that. And you go and look at the detail of what was being put into that temple. And we know that through the Babylonian rule, that temple was completely destroyed. They, they were in captivity and they couldn't worship. They couldn't do the things they wanted to do. And they've been now un, under captivity for 68 years. And King Cyrus says, okay, I'm going to let you go. So what I want us to do is have a look at Haggai chapter 1, and we'll start, I'll sort of, it's not going to be a sort of a three-point sermon, I'm sort of going to pull things out of the text as, as we go along. So if we look in chapter 1, verse 1, if we can get it up there, it says, In the second year of Darius the king, in the sixth month, on the first day of the month, if you can understand that chronology, <laughs> the word of the Lord came to the hand of Haggai. So this wasn't just a good idea, it was the word of the Lord, God spoke to him. Haggai the prophet, Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Thus says the Lord of hosts. And this is important. I want to remember this because I'm going to get back to it. He says, God says, these people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. Time's not right. These people. So they were God's people, but now God says, these people are saying that it's not time to build the house of the Lord. And isn't that true sometimes of, of the situation we find ourselves in? Through the pandemic of the last two years, it really feels like we've been taken captive, doesn't it? The old ways doing life and church and worship and, and all that kind of stuff is, is completely changed. We're living in the so-called, I hate this word, but what is the, the it's the, the new normal, <laughs> okay? In the same way, this remnant of 50,000, so a lot of them actually stayed back in Babylon, and a remnant. It says a small portion of the original bulk of the people, 50,000 of them, decided to go back to Jerusalem. And so we see the restrictions are lifted. Cyrus, King Cyrus gives them a little bit of freedom. And you can see these guys were passionate because it was 2,700 kilometers. That's a long way. Okay. Now, when I wrote this down, I put Cape Town first, and the second part, I thought, no, no, we'll never go from Cape Town to this place. So, basically, the distance you're looking at walking is from Zimbabwe to Cape Town. Okay. No one would go from Cape Town to Zimbabwe, but it was from Zimbabwe to Cape Town. Okay. That's, these guys were committed. I mean, they were passionate. They had a chance to go back and start to rebuild the temple, and they traveled 2,700 kilometers. I mean, that's insane. And so, what happened was they... They started to rebuild the temple. It was an act of worship because in the past, everything to a Jew, everything revolves around the temple. Everything, life. There was nothing else. Everything was focused on the temple. Their, their, their finances, their work, their, their, everything was focused around the temple. And so we see, uh, we're going to see now, they, they started to build. But then there came distractions and troubles. There were the Samaritans that were sort of giving them a hard time because they also wanted to be a part of rebuilding the temple. And there was this constant friction. And so after they had erected the altar, rebuilt the foundations in the altar, basically what happened was they stopped building. And for 16 years, the temple just stayed in one place. And so... This is where we begin to see one of the cracks that started to develop in them. 
You see, a lot of them had still a, a mentality of captivity. They were free. The restrictions were lifted, but they weren't completely free because God said it would be 70 years. And what we see developing in them there was, was crack number one, which was a selfishness or a self-preservation. They were looking at the circumstances around them and said, this is not time to rebuild the temple. This is not the time. These, the circumstances aren't good. Um, there's too much stuff going on. We've got too much to do. That can lie in ruins and, and we'll do our own thing. And so one of the first things that I feel the Lord wants to challenge us tonight is, do we have misplaced priorities? We can't now feel sorry for these people. You can imagine being stuck for 67 years in captivity. And then 16 years of, of uh, threats and trouble and things that, that held them back. If we were locked down for 67 years, how do you think we'd feel? <laughs> 67 years. Okay? I don't think they were super excited. I don't think we'd be super excited about Zoom meetings or Zoom preachers and, and worships with masks for 67 years and uh, not being able to get together. You can imagine these people. I mean, 67 years of captivity. But yet, they said at the first chance, we'll go. We'll, we'll go the distance. And isn't that like being with us sometimes through this whole COVID thing? We're coming out of two years. We've got a measure of freedom. Some of the restrictions aren't being, are being lifted. And we've come back with a passion. But it's not like it used to be, is it? It's still hard. It's still not the same. This is exactly how these people, these people felt. And so we see God is not happy with them as he already indicates his dis disconnection with them in verse 2. And it says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, These people say, The time has not yet come to rebuild the house. And then from verse 3 it says, The word of the Lord came to the hand of Haggai, the prophet. Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while this house lies in ruins? Now when he's talking about paneled houses, it's actually talking about in fact, that the houses that they were building took time, and paneled houses took about, they, they spent an immense amount of time on the detail of the houses. They were fancy. They took time. They, 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 had carved, they, they carved them out. There, there was decorations on the wall. They were making it look beautiful and pretty. And God says, you've been building these paneled houses. They had prioritized their houses and their own lives over what was important to God. When we live lives with misplaced priorities, we become deeply dissatisfied. And verse 5 says, Now therefore thus says the Lord, consider your ways. You see, what Haggai is doing in this book is he's actually having a look at the situation. The heart of God is always for them to enter into everything that he has for him. And it's a rallying call. They didn't stay in Babylon they left Babylon, they traveled a long way, and they came and they started to build the, passion, the temple with, with passion. But what happened? It became a construction project. They'd lost the heart for building the temple. It no longer became an act of worship because there were trials and tribulations and difficulties and, and things going on around them, and it was hard. But the Lord says, consider your ways. And this statement is important because... And we need to understand what God is implying here. He says the word consider literally means to set your heart on your ways. 
In other words, give a heartfelt, serious consideration. Are the children preaching in the children's church? <laughs> Maybe I should just stop. <laughs> hey? Zoom meeting. Oh, okay. Well, that's good. At least the children are listening. I can hear them on the other side. <laughs> so set your heart on the things of God. God is calling him saying, set your heart back on the things that are important to me. And we've heard this before. So if we look at Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 to 2, it says this. Since then you have been raised with Christ, set your heart on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above not on earthly things. So this is where we begin to see the results of the crack. And the second one, perhaps. So we find that possibly, maybe you like myself, coming out of COVID, it was a bit of a selfishness. It became a little bit about me, myself, and I. And the second one was, through the stuff, I thought, oh, man, what's the use? You know, we're just going to go back into lockdown again. I remember the first time we started being able to get together. Remember that? It was like a week on and then, oh, back under lockdown. Then two weeks on and then you go for a month. You think, oh, we're free. And then back down. And you kind of think, I don't know if I can do this. And so apathy starts to set in. And a good definition for apathy is this. It says apathy is a lack of feeling emotion, interest, or concern about something. It is a state of indifference or the suppression of emotions such as concern, excitement, motivation, or passion. And so we see these people in their current situation, they'd lost all interest in the things of God. And they thought, let's just, you know, when you're in times of captivity, and if, often if you have a, a mindset of captivity, what do you do? You build walls of protection around your life. If you feel there's a constant threat, you retreat back into where it's safe. And this is exactly what they did. They retreated back into the safety of their own homes and what made them feel comfortable. They were waiting for a time when things would get better to build God's house, when in reality things would only get better when they chose to do God's work first. So what was the result of the apathy towards God and His temple? Let's look at verse 6. He says this, so you've sown much and harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You clothe yourself, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages does so to put them into a bag with holes. Oh, how many times you feel like that? <laughs> sometimes, I don't tell my kids this, but I think sometimes my kids are the holes. <laughs> I put money in and it just disappears. <laughs> But isn't it like that? I mean, look at the cost of living today. It just goes up and up and up. And we, you know, our salaries don't go up and up and up. And it feels like life is just, it's just holes everywhere. No matter what you do, it like all the effort you put in, it just disappears. You looked for much. Okay, so bag with holes. And then verse 7, it says, thus says the Lord. Again, he says. So he's really trying to get this point across to them. Because obviously he wants to show them something. Because his heart is for them. He says again. From verse 7, consider your ways. Go up to the hills and bring wood and build the house that I may take pleasure in it and that I may be glorified, says the Lord. You looked for much and behold, it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why, declares the Lord of hosts, because of my house that lies in ruins. While each of you busies himself with his own house, therefore the heavens above 
you have withheld the dew, and the earth was withheld its, has withheld its produce. And I have called for a drought on the land and the hills, on the grain, the new wine, the oil, on what the ground brings forth, on man and beast, and on all their laborers. Oh, that, is, that is hectic. These people have left Babylon. They didn't choose to stay there. They traveled 2,700 kilometers. They came back. Their hearts were right. They wanted to rebuild the temple. And then 16 years, it stayed dormant. And now God is saying, that's not what I've called you for. I haven't called you for this. Are we beginning to see the picture? How does the story relate to our lives at the moment? If our lives were put on display, what would our lives say about where our hearts and our priorities are? How have the current circumstances pulled your heart away from the things of God in your life? You say, I just don't have the time to get involved. What happens if we go back into lockdown again? How will my career, family, business, or life be affected? I know God is calling me to serve more, give more, more of my time, more money, more giftings, and give more energy to the church. You know, many, many years, probably it was about 12 years ago, I used to own my own business. And, and we started off well. I, I, I started off, uh, we were still in, in Josh Jennings in Sunningdale. And I was really felt this is what God wanted me to do. And we, we, we built, the business, built the business from nothing. We had a little bit of money. I sold, we sold our house, rented, took some of that money, and we bought a business for a really good price. And and we put a lot of blood, sweat, and tears. And those of you who are business owners, you know. You don't sleep at night. It's, you know, people have these fantasies about owning your own business. <laughs> Sometimes I, I, it's better to work for someone else. When you leave at 5 o'clock, that's it, you know. But for those of you business owners, you know what I'm talking about. And you just, you have a rough time. You're always worrying. You, you're trying to build this thing up. You're looking over people's lives. You're caring for people. And you're providing opportunity for them. And... It started off well that we were giving it to the kingdom and it slowly but surely started sucking more and more and more and more of my time. But actually the reason it was sucking more and more of my time is because I wanted more. I wanted more. And I used to say, oh Lord, it's so I can give more to your kingdom. No, 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 I, I wanted more. I wanted more. There was a little bit of greediness in my life. And I felt the warnings of God start coming through and, and, and I just, I didn't listen. And my priorities started to change, and I started taking energy that I was putting into the kingdom and, to, and into people's lives and into the local church that I was busy with, busy involved in. And I said, no, I can't do this. I can't do that. My business, I've got, to, I've got to work. I can't come to this meeting. I can't be involved. I've got to look after the business. And slowly but surely, because I didn't listen to the Lord, no matter what I did, no matter who I employed, that business just started to shrink until eventually... I sold it to a bigger company than I'm working for now. And God was gracious because he still allowed a way out for me. But it was because I didn't listen. And you know, some of the things we're doing in our lives, it might seem good now, and it might seem you're getting away with it, it might seem prosperous, and it, it might be going well, but some point in the future, if God is not in it, whatever you're doing, and you don't, you're not sure that the presence of God is with you, you will pay the price. We, we will pay the price, whether it's our families whether it's our relationships, whether it's our health. And God is speaking to this people not to condemn them and do a heavy on them. It's because he has something so much more for them. 
Because he knows that if they align their lives, if they refocus, if they align their lives to what he wants them to do, then things will go much better for them. This drought, this barrenness in their lives would disappear. And so they started out with good intentions. And now you say to me, Carl, actually, I'm running ahead of myself, but I want to pick up from here. So, you know, maybe some of you are sitting here today and you're saying, oh, man, you know, I used to serve the Lord and I used to be involved in church, but my heart's just not in it anymore. I just lost the passion. Well, then maybe I should say to you, has your treasure shifted? Because the Word of God says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there also will your heart be. And 2 Corinthians 6 verse 16 says, whatever agreement can exist between the temple of God and idols. Because you might say to me, Carl, but I mean, we don't have to build the temple. What, what's this building the temple and getting back to that got to do with us? And 2 Corinthians 6, 6 verse 16 says this. It says, what agreement can exist between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of, of the living God. God has said, I will dwell with them and walk among them. And I will be their God, and they will be my people. He says, my people. It's not these people. He's talking because of where their hearts are. He says, these people. We don't want to be these people. We want to be, when God looks at us, he says, my people. And so if we look at the next sort of chapter, look at what the hearts, what the people, the, the, what, look at what the people do when they hear the word of the Lord. They consider their ways. And what's beautiful about this picture, even though they, they haven't, the circumstances haven't changed, it's still tough, it's still hard, but what do they do? They shift their hearts. They repent and they say, okay, God, we're going to get back to what's most important. Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, and the high priest, and all the remnant of the people obeyed the voice of the Lord their God. And the words of Haggai the prophet, as the Lord their God had sent him. And there's a couple of things I'm going to pull out here. So it says, and the, Lord, and the people feared the Lord. Then Haggai, the messenger of the Lord, spoke to the people with the Lord's message. Listen what he says. They shifted their hearts. Don't you want to hear this in your life? I am with you. I'm not just with you because I'm omnipresent. I'm with you. I'm standing right next to you. I'm in your family. I'm in your business. I'm in your career. I'm, I'm right there with you. Because we're putting first things first. And the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and worked on the house of the Lord of hosts, their God, on the 24th day of the month, in the sixth month, in the second year of Darius the king. So how do we bring balance to the hecticness of life? And how do we put God first? Well, if we look at the second chapter, number one, what did they do? They feared the Lord. They considered their ways. They realized that there are consequences to our actions and our behavior. And if we want things to change, if we want the barrenness in our lives to be lifted and, and prosperity to come, we need to put God first. So they feared. What did they fear? They feared, they feared the word of the Lord. They obeyed. 
Proverbs 1 verse 7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. And secondly, we see here, they were stirred up. This meant that before they could be effective in the work, they needed to be full of the Spirit of God. Romans 8 verse 5 says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit have their minds set on the Spirit. And then thirdly, come and do the work. Obedience and repentance changed God's heart towards them. He said, I am with you. So in wrapping up, I want to look at some things out of here. How should we build? So we realize that maybe we're not building the right way. Maybe you're sitting here tonight and you find there's a barrenness in life. Things are just not, no matter what you do, things are just not working out. There's always sickness in your home. There's always holes in your finances. There's, there's always problems. There's always issues. It's like overboard. It's like, why is it so hectic? I mean, we're supposed to be the people of God. I mean, it's the heathens out there that should be struggling. But we look at our lives and we think, God, why are we not finding the breakthrough that we're looking for? So how should we build? What should we build? And on whom should we build? And I hope this is going to work. Um, so maybe I can have two volunteers. Wes and, do you want to come? Sadie, okay. Uh, okay, let's see. There's all these things. We've got family life. We've got oh, business, career, and work for you. Okay, and this is, let me just see, the king. <laughs> okay, we, we'll make you look good, okay, so I'm going to give you those ones. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's not going to require too much muscle, okay. So for those who are going to listen to this online later, basically what we're doing is we've got two jars. Over here, and these two plastic jars represent our lives, okay? And so you're going to be able to guess what this illustration is talking about afterwards. So what I want you to do is I both want you to start with um, uh, the kingdom. Start with the kingdom, the big rocks, and I want you to put them... Actually, no, no, you mustn't start with the kingdom. Let me just see. Yeah, You start with the kingdom, yes, and you start with... Uh, let's start with family. You pop family in. I rehearsed this. <laughs> that's, that's fine. Just go for it. Pour it in. Yeah. Get them nice and level. Okay, get them nicely in there. Okay, you keep going. Keep going. Keep going. We don't have to wait. Okay, we'll do businesses and career and work and all the rest. Okay. You can start. Well, start off with start off with family life. Oh, business. <laughs> there we go. And all these things. You know, the Bible says all these things. Come on, Sally. Give it a good, a good shake there. Okay. What are we putting in next? Okay, we're putting. Uh, let's put work and career. Oh, you're going to break your toes. (laughs) 
Wes. What's happening with your one? Oh, my word. Okay. Sally! Okay. There we go. Okay, that actually worked out. I was a bit worried. <laughs> Wes, you're going to need to repent, eh? <laughs> I'm just looking at this thing. Okay, so what, what is this telling us? What is the reality of these two situations? Can you guys all see it? Okay, that's the one. And this is the other. Okay, so here we have, we first put in the big rocks, which represents the, the kingdom of God, the things of God, okay? Then we put in family life and all things related to family, and the gray ones were basically your work, your career, and all the rest, and then all these things, all the other things that, that uh, complicate life. Okay, so we've got that one there. And yeah, we started with family, work, career. Then we put all these things, and then we put the things of God on top. So what's wrong with, with these two pictures? Okay, so yes. Yes. Exactly the same measure of stones, exactly the same circumstances. Nothing changed. But when you put the things of God first... It fits, doesn't it? But nature is a wonderful thing. God knows what he's doing. If we put all the other things and then we're trying to fit the kingdom of God in later, it doesn't work. Matthew 7 verse 24 to 25 says this, Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who builds his house upon the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on the house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. Let me just see if I've got my... Let this illustration sink in for now. <laughs> I just want to get back to my notes. So what should we build? We're almost done. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your body or what you'll put on, for is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They, they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they are? And which of being, by being anxious can add a single hour to his lifespan? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? O oh, you of little faith, therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things things. For your heavenly Father knows that you need them all, but seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. And then finally, on whom shall we build? And this is a beautiful scripture. Ephesians 2 verse 20 to 22 says this, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus Himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord. 
in whom you also are being built together into the dwelling of God's Spirit. So my question to you tonight is this. Have the things of God and your service to Him become a duty or a chore? I believe God wants you to be stirred up again for His kingdom. And that you will again, that it will be again, again be an act of worship despite the circumstances and pressures around us. If selfishness and apathy is the crack that may have grown in you over the last two years, won't you come to Jesus, who wants nothing more than to say to you, I am with you. I don't know what the balance is in your life. I don't know what you need to juggle. I know many of us have tremendous things to juggle, impossible things. But you know, the illustration is like this. If you're driving in a car and you, you're speeding towards a corner and you don't slow down enough, what is the temptation? To put the foot on the brake, right? But any good driving instructor will tell you that the way to get out of rolling that car on the corner is you actually have to accelerate out of that turn. And it makes no sense because you want to put your brake on. And you know, the things of God and the ways of God are completely opposite to our ways. It says, your ways are not my ways. And so I want to challenge you tonight that if, you're, if you have been experiencing a barrenness and a drought, and you're finding that life is hard and you're not getting breakthrough, has your treasure shifted? And the things of the Lord in your life just become a chore and become a duty. Have you lost the heart of worship for the things of God? Don't you want to hear God saying in everything you do every single day, I am with you. Why? Because he is first. So you're going to have to ask the Holy Spirit, what is those things? What is that? And so can we stand and I want to pray for us. And I want to ask, maybe you're here tonight, maybe you're visiting. You've never read the book of Haggai. You, you don't even really ever pick up the Bible. But something in what I've said has made sense to your life right now. Maybe you've been in captivity. You feel like you've been captive by the circumstances around your life. And, and right now, the only one that can fix it is you and you don't have the solutions. But maybe for the first time tonight, you're hearing a whisper in your heart and your mind, and Jesus is saying, I am the answer. I am the way. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And if that's you, as we bow our heads, and I want, if you're a Christian, I want you to pray. If that's you tonight, and you know that you need to respond, you now know in your heart that I need Jesus. I need to build my life upon the rock. And as you saw in the illustrations, if you do that, the blessing of God will come. And he will, he will meet you where you're at. And he will join you where you're at. And he will pull you through. If that's you tonight, no one's looking around. I just, will you raise your hand? If that's you? Okay. I see that hand. Anyone else? Consider your ways. And then for us as Christians, again, if somebody were to 
look at your life and your priorities were displayed on the wall, what, what would it say about you? What would it say about your life? And so, I'm going to pray for us, and then I'm going to let you know what I feel our response should be. So, Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, that you're not a God that condemns, but you call us, Lord, for our hearts are so selfish and desperately wicked. Lord, we're always looking for comfort in the easy way out. But, Lord, you know what's best for us. You know what's good for us. And, Father, tonight I, I know that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you are calling us back to the things that really matter, to the things that, that, that when we do them, we realize that there's no better grace and satisfaction and wholeness and purpose that when we find ourselves in the very purposes and the things of God, there's no better fulfillment than, than living in the perfect will of God. And so, Father, I pray for us as a church that we would refocus and realign our lives, that your kingdom is ever before us. Lord, that we, as, as your people in the story, were quick to repent. They considered their ways and they turned and they did the work that you'd called them to do. May we be a people that are quick to respond, even though the circumstances don't change. But Lord, we know that you will be in the circumstances if we put you first. I pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. You can sit, you can be seated. So what I'd like us to do, I know many of you, many of you are serving in this local church. And we know that the temple of God is not this building, but the temple of God is us. But this is us. And when we get together like this, it takes effort, it takes work, it takes involvement, it takes commitment. I work a full-time job. We're elders in the church. Most nights we sing people. There's some nights I think, oh, why did I, Lord, why did you call me to this? It's like, it's crazy. But I tell you, for dealing myself, as busy as we are, I've never felt so fulfilled and full of purpose than I do right now as we put God first. And you know, there's things that actually, because of what we're doing, it shouldn't work. It just should fall apart, but it doesn't. Because supernaturally, when we put the things of God first, it, 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 it just comes together somehow. And I know some of you are sitting there, Lord, if I get involved, then what's going to happen to my kids? What's God will intervene. He will. I promise you that. I've seen it over and over again. And so as part of the response tonight, if you are sitting in this church, and I know many of you are serving already, but if you're not serving, and you're feeling the prompting of God, that God is saying, I want you to put my kingdom first. I want you to start being involved in this body. There's a whole lot of ministries on that table over there. There are pens on the table, and I want you to consider your ways. I want you to seek God. You're not committing to anything just yet. You're putting your name down saying, I'm feeling God wants me to do something. I'm not quite sure. There's a whole lot of details there or lists of what they are. If you're feeling, I want you to go to that table, and I want you to look at what's there, and I want you to just put your name down, and somebody's going to contact you and give you a little bit more information. You know, it's true that generally it's, it's, 80, it's 20% of the people doing 80% of the work. And we've been saying this over and over again, that God is busy growing this church. And the people that are serving now is not going to be enough to, 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 to build into what God is doing. He's already doing it. We love you guys. We know and believe there's so much more on you. And so can I encourage you to go and have a look what's there? 
Put your names down, and now we're going to enjoy some real good ice cream. Pray you guys have a great week. I hope that was helpful, and uh, we'll see you again during the week. Yes. Ice cream for everybody. Unless you're diabetic or something. I don't know if there's diabetic ice cream. I don't know. <laughs> no vegan ice cream either. Guys, we love you. Have a good evening and fellowship. Thank you. <laughs>